Um, I wonder if any of you here this morning have ever had a situation where things were just bad and then they got worse. Has that ever happened to you? It's gone from bad to worse. Uh, years ago, Casey and I, our kids were very young and I was invited to speak uh, at a youth camp in Florida. And I said to Case, and they actually invited my wife and children to join me. So I said to Case, this is a wonderful opportunity. You know, we can, it's like kind of a vacation. Uh, we get to take the kids for free and uh, all seemed great. We get down there. Camp went great. I got to speak every night. I got to kind of be involved in all the activities. Unfortunately, my wife, that meant, was alone with our three young children, having to try to corral them, get them to and from places. So as we were traveling home, uh, I was reflecting on what a great time it had been. And Casey's like, well, for you maybe. (laughs) I had to look after these three. So uh, we get home, we open the front door to our house here in Washington where we lived at the time, and while we'd been gone, lightning had struck a utility pole outside our house. Our TV in the basement had caught fire. It had burned for a while and then burned out, but in the process, our entire home was full of smoke damage. Everything was ruined. It was just going from bad to worse. We uh, found out that insurance was going to cover it, but we would have to be out of our home for about six or seven weeks, so they found us a hotel to stay at, uh, downtown Peoria, opposite uh, the Civic Center, I think it's called the Staybridge Inner Suites, is that what it's called? It was like a long term. So we got um, two lovely rooms, and uh, breakfast every morning, it's fantastic, and three small children, and we all lived in this hotel room for seven weeks. One week in, uh, we came uh, into the room to hear some screaming from our daughter, Emma. Uh, the kids had been bouncing on the bed, and she bounced off of the bed and landed on her, was it her shoulder or a, her neck? Yeah, yeah, she's screaming. So 911, ambulance comes, takes her off. I mean, it was just going from bad to worse. Uh, I remember one Sunday afternoon, the kids were stir crazy, so I stopped by the house. We still had their bikes in the garage. I picked up the two boys' bikes, took them downtown, and Sunday afternoon, I sat in a lawn chair in the parking lot of the Civic Center while my kids rode around in circles. <laughs> And I remember cars driving by, and I was thinking, they've got to be looking on thinking, what a deadbeat dad. (laughs) Who brings their sons to the Civic Center parking lot to ride their bikes? Is there nowhere else you've got to take them? Trust me, I would much rather have been anywhere other than there, but it was just seemed to be going from bad to worse. And we've been talking about a guy uh, who we read about in the Old Testament. His name was Moses. And uh, over the last few weeks, his, his life has just been a roller coaster of a ride. And this morning, we're going to discover that, unfortunately, in the life of Moses, he encountered what it was like to go from bad to worse. But before I get into that, because I know we've got some visitors here this morning, let me catch you up on what you've missed. Previously on Moses, um, we've been talking about in uh, weeks one, two, three, and up till today, the birth of Moses. We talked about how this baby boy, this Hebrew Israelite baby boy, was born at about the worst time in history that you could be born as an Israelite baby boy. The Israelites were in slavery at the time in Egypt, and uh, they were growing numerically. So Pharaoh decided he was going to try and um, lower the population by having all baby boys born to Jewish families killed. This was an edict across the land, and this was the moment that Moses was born. Now, miraculously, God had a plan for Moses' life. So Moses' mother, she took him as a baby, and she put him in the river, and the daughter of Pharaoh himself rescued Moses. And we learned that first thing, that no matter how bad things look, nothing will stop God's plan from being accomplished. 
No matter how bad things look, nothing will get in the way of God's plan being accomplished. Moses is born. He's raised in the palace of the Pharaoh, educated in the finest places. He grows to be this adult who, if you know the story of Moses and know that it was God's destiny for his life to lead the people of Israel out of slavery, it would seem that this was the moment he should do it. This was his time to shine. He was 40 years old, well-educated, learned in skills of warfare. I mean, there couldn't have been a better time for Moses to lead the people. At least that's what Moses thought. So he stepped out on his own. He didn't check in with God. And he decided to start the revolution. We learned that he killed an Egyptian soldier and buried him. But unfortunately, a few weeks ago, we learned that timing is everything. In the kingdom of God, timing is everything. You can do the right thing, but still do it at the wrong time. And because Moses was doing this at a time when he wasn't yet ready, it backfired on him. The Israelites, rather than following this leader, they turned on him. Word got out of what he'd done. Pharaoh issued a command to have him killed, and Moses fled for his life. He left the palace and all the luxuries that it brought with it went to a place of obscurity in the middle of nowhere called Midian and lived there for 40 more years. I would imagine during that time he lived a disappointed, disillusioned, broken life, realizing that everything he thought he was meant to be had gone, and now this is what he was left with. But if you were here last week, you'd have heard Whitney speak And we learned last week that after 40 years in obscurity, 40 more years of living in the wilderness in the middle of nowhere, God decides he's not done with Moses yet. That now he was ready to be used. Now it was time for him to go back to Egypt and rescue the entire nation of Israel from slavery. But as Whitney told us last week, by the time God shows up, All of Moses' confidence is gone. God says, Moses, it's time. This bush is on fire. God's speaking to Moses through this burning bush. It's time for you to to reach your potential, to do what you were born to do. And Moses lists one excuse after another why he just doesn't think he can do it. Whitney did a great job of explaining last week just these excuses that got in the way. But God responded to those excuses. And basically God said, it's because you don't think you're ready that you're ready. It's because you don't think you can do it. It's because you don't think you're ready. That's what makes you ready in my eyes, says God. I love this quote I came across. It's from an old preacher called Dwight Moody. And uh, he was talking about the remarkable lifespan of Moses. And you can actually break Moses' life into these three 40-year chapters. And that's what Moody did. He said, Moses spent his first 40 years thinking he was somebody. He spent his second 40 years learning he was a nobody. And he spent his third 40 years discovering what God can do with a nobody. It was like when Moses thought, I've got all the, the expertise. I've got everything it takes to be the leader you need me to be. God said, well, that's the problem because you think you can do it all by yourself. It took 40 years of living in obscurity and brokenness for Moses to get to the point where he was stripped of all of that and then God said, now 
Now when you are willing to trust me completely, now you are ready. The truth is, as I look back over my life, I can see that some of the most amazing times I've seen God at work have been during those times where I felt completely incapable of doing something. And that's when God showed up. So this week, after having been uh, encountering God at the burning bush last week, Whitney told us about it, now the momentum is picking up, it's getting exciting again in the life of Moses. The, The adventure is about to begin. Let's jump in and find out with this new sense of purpose and excitement upon Moses as he makes his way to Egypt, what happens? Exodus chapter four, verses 29 through 31. Then Moses and Aaron, his brother, they returned to Egypt and they called all of the elders of Israel together. Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses and Moses performed the miraculous signs as they watched. If you were here last week when he talked about um, Moses' staff turning into a snake and then back into a stick again, he performed these miraculous signs in front of the people of Israel and the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. When they heard what the Lord, when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down to God and worshipped. Just imagine for a second how Moses must have felt in this moment. Because remember, years before, Moses presented himself as the leader. And listen to how the Israelite people at the time responded. Exodus chapter 2, verse 14. The man, the Israelite man, replied, Who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? You have to wonder if in Moses' heart, that just kept ringing, that, that sentence, that phrase, who are you? Why would we follow you? And now he stands behind these same Israelite people, stands right in front of them, says, God has called me to bring you as a leader. And instead of them saying, who are you? They worship God and they bow down. Moses and Aaron, they had to have left that meeting feeling great. Moses, after 80 years, is now thinking, it's happening. Deep down, I just had this this feeling of destiny upon my life. It's almost like God was leading me to this place, and, and now I can see it starting to happen. He called me in the desert. He spoke to me. I saw the miracles happen. I came. I met with the Israelites. They responded. They see me as their leader. Nothing can stop me. I'm on a roll here. It's going really good. So with all this boldness and confidence... The next day, him and Aaron, they go to level two of the plan. Meet with Pharaoh. Meet with the guy in charge. Exodus 5, verses 1 through 5. After this presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went and spoke to Pharaoh. They told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Let my people go so they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. Is that so? retorted Pharaoh. And who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I I don't know the Lord. And no, I will not let Israel go. But Aaron and Moses, probably still confident that they were in the middle of God's plan for their lives, they persisted. The God of Hebrews has met with us, they declared. So let us take a three-day journey. Now, bear in mind, they're not asking for all the people to be released from slavery altogether. They're saying, hey, we just want to take a little trip, a little vacation. We want to go out and we want to worship our God. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness so we can offer sacrifices to our Lord, our God. Because if we don't, he will kill us with a plague or with the sword. 
Pharaoh replied, Moses and Aaron, why are you distracting the people from their tasks? Get back to work. Look, there are many of your people in the land and you are stopping them from their work. This wasn't the response that Moses was expecting. Moses was on a roll. He was excited. God had spoken to him. He says, you're going to go back to Egypt, and with my help, you are going to set the people free from slavery. If there was any um, fear, any uncertainty after the meeting with the Israel leaders, Moses had to be like, yes, they're on board. They're for this. It's going to go well. I bet he walked into Pharaoh's um, courtroom there with such confidence thinking, I know God's with me. I know the people of Israel are with me. Nothing can stop me. And then Pharaoh says, no, it's not going to happen. As I was preparing my message, I was trying to think, what would that feel like for Moses? To be so confident, to expect such great things, and then suddenly to have your dreams shattered in that moment. I was trying to think of a situation in my life or a situation in history to illustrate just how devastated the person must have felt. And, and sadly, my um, unique, weird mind, this was the only example I could come up with. But I think it tells the story well. Check this out. First one's here. First one's here. First one's here. But we're so far away, Clark. Right, right. And at the end of the day, when the lot's all full and everybody's fighting to get out of here, we'll be the first ones out too, right? Why? Because we're the Griswolds. <laughs> Come on, I'll race you. <laughs> today and ask, people ask, what great deep theological messages, you know, did you learn from your pastor this morning? Well, he showed a clip from vacation, but it's a classic clip, and it takes me back to that movie and that scene, because the entire movie has been this effort, and they finally reach this theme park, they finally reach their goal, only to find their dreams shattered. And I wonder if that's a little bit how Moses and Aaron felt as they were leaving Pharaoh's courtroom that day. What just happened? God was with us. The Israelites were with us. We came to Pharaoh. We said, hey, God's with us. It's time to let us go. And he said, sorry, folks. <laughs> You're going to stay in slavery. <laughs> Just... <laughs> 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 Devastated. 
here's what I want us to understand, and we're going to see this from the story of Moses this morning. Setbacks don't mean it's not God's will. Setbacks don't mean it's not God's will. And sometimes I think um, for us, our faith, we're on a roll, we think things are going well, and we hit one setback, and instantly we start to question God. We start to say, well, God, maybe this isn't what we're meant to do. Maybe I shouldn't be. But sometimes as we look back in our lives, we see that some of these setbacks, they were actually instrumental in bringing us to where God really wanted us to be. For those who don't know, 10 years ago, we planted Connect Church. Um, we had this vision to reach this community, and we saw so many people come. We've seen people here this morning be baptized. It's just wonderful. So we've, we've realized that we want to be a church plant that plants other churches. So over the years, we've supported different churches. One of the churches we've supported is a church in Boston. Uh, good friends of ours, Colin and Liz Harfield, they planted their church about five years ago. And um, I'm a part of their leadership team. So I'm on management team calls a few times a year, and we talk about updates. And over the last five years, there have been at least three or four calls where Colin has come on the phone and said, guys, I've got some exciting news. We're meeting in temporary accommodation right now, a temporary location, but we found a building that I think is going to work for our permanent location. We've looked at blueprints, we've looked at maps, we've looked, we're excited, we found out why this is the perfect location, and then a few weeks later, a call comes back, someone outbid us, the deal fell through, something happened. And each time, Paul Collins having to tell us this on the call. And you can just see to the point where the last um, couple of times that things have come against, well, hopefully this is the one. But fortunately, Colin realizes these setbacks don't mean it's not God's will. And just about a month ago, we got another call from Colin, and this location had become available, this uh, wonderful kind of commercial retail space uh, in a really um, great area for their church. They put in a bid, and it was accepted. And this will now be the future home of Anthem Church. Much like Connect Church, they'll have a building in their community. Uh, it's a great opportunity. They, they only need to use one side right now. The other side's being leased by another tenant. So it's just, I mean, it, it ticks all the boxes for what they need in a facility. And we, we kind of laughed in our last meeting because we looked at all the other places that had come along before that and how much better this will be than those ones. And thank God that on this journey, Colin realized that a setback didn't mean that God wasn't still with them, that God didn't still have a great plan. God was still with Moses. This was a setback. When Pharaoh said, no, the people can't go, this was a setback, but it didn't mean that God wasn't in this. And if that was the only lesson we needed to take away from church this morning, that would be great. But unfortunately, we need to learn another lesson today from the story of Moses and that is, what do you do when things go from bad to worse? What do you do when things go from bad to worse? Because sadly, Pharaoh didn't just say no. Listen to what happened next in Exodus chapter 5. That same day, Pharaoh sent this order to the Egyptian slave drivers and the Israelite foremen. Do not supply any more straw for making bricks. Make the people get it themselves. But still require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy. That's why they're crying out. Let us go and offer sacrifices to our God. Load them down with more work. Make them sweat. That'll teach them to listen to lies. So the Israelites 
who are living in slavery are now going to be subject to an even harsher treatment, an impossible task to keep the same quota, but now to find the ingredients, the elements themselves. Things have gone from bad to worse. The Israelites at this point don't know why. So they cry out to Pharaoh, what's going on? Why are you making things harder? Verse 17, Pharaoh shouted, you're just lazy, lazy. That's why you're saying, let us go and offer sacrifices to the Lord. Now get back to work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still produce the full quota of bricks. The Israelite foreman could see that they were in serious trouble when they were told, you must not reduce the number of bricks you make each day. As they left Pharaoh's court, they realized now what had happened. And they confronted Moses and Aaron, who were waiting outside for them. The former said to them, may the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You have put a sword into their hands. It's an excuse for him to kill us. Talk about going from bad to worse. Just days before, the Israelites were crying out to Moses and Aaron saying, thank you. Thank you for rescuing us. You are our leaders. We're excited. Now they're like, just see what you've done. Why couldn't you have just left things alone? You, you've made it worse. So now Moses not only has to wrestle with knowing that things haven't gone the way he expected, he's also got a group of angry people who he knows are upset with him. There's nothing worse than that, is there? A short time ago, my wife Casey and I, we got to go out to Las Vegas for a few days and we got to see a band in concert, one of our favorite bands. And um, while we were there, we met some friends from England. They were gonna go with us and they were staying in one hotel and we were staying in another hotel. And our hotel wasn't ready yet, so we took our two carry-on suitcases and we met them at their hotel and we put our luggage in their room and we spent the day with them. And then it came time to go and check into our hotel. So we left their hotel. It was right there on the strip. We left their hotel. Uh, we got down to the main road there and it was just packed. The, car, the street was just full of cars, buses, taxis, not a single bit of movement. Everything was just at a standstill. So it's Las Vegas. It's like 150 degrees. You know, it's the desert. So I said to Case, I don't think where we're staying is too far away. I bet we could walk there. <laughs> you can always already see where this story is going, can't you? So... I thought it was a good idea. We, uh, we started to walk. It turns out it's actually, <laughs> that strip's pretty long. <laughs> we got about 10 minutes into the walk and then we arrived at this point and I found out after that if we'd have turned right, we could have gone around this little bit of construction. I didn't know that so we turned left. We went over a bridge, the other side of the road, through a hotel, off to another bridge, back around. I mean, we're like 25 minutes into the journey at this point, walking through the streets of Las Vegas, <laughs> pulling our suitcases. I know that I've made the wrong decision. <laughs> I should have called a taxi. We should have got on a bus. We should have done anything except walked from this hotel to the next. I'm walking along. I can hear my wife behind me. And fortunately, she's saying, it's okay, Dave. These things happen. I love you. <laughs> is, that, is that what you're saying? I think that's it was, it, was, it was something like that. Um, <laughs> Let's just say that the fact that I'm acknowledging here in front of a large group of people that I made a stupid mistake will buy me a little bit more grace of how mad she was at the time walking along behind me. There was nothing worse than walking along knowing you've messed up. 
but knowing that there's someone else behind you who also knows you've messed up and is letting you know very clearly how upset they are that you've messed up. That's where Moses and Aaron find themselves in this place of just like despondency, despair. We thought we got it right. We thought we were doing the right thing. God seemed to be with us. Now Pharaoh hasn't just said no, he's made things worse. We're upset. The people are upset. This is just an awful place. Now, fortunately, Moses isn't like you and me. He's a man of God. He's a great hero of the Old Testament. So I'm sure he just acknowledged to God, God, you're in control. You're awesome. I don't know why this is happening, but I think you're great. Well, let's find out if that's really how Moses responded. Verse 22, Moses went back to the Lord and he protested. Why have you brought us all this trouble on your own people, Lord? Why did you send me? Ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman, he's been even more brutal to your people and you've done nothing to rescue them. So you feel good sometimes when you look at these biblical giants and realize they're actually very much like you and me. I'm sure you would never respond like that, but there have been times where I've been like, God, what's going on? Why has this happened? We learn that Moses protested. He got mad at God. He questions God. And it turns out that God is okay with that. Because instead of getting mad at Moses for questioning him, he responds with an explanation. He uses this as a teachable moment. And he says this to Moses. Chapter 6, verse 1. The Lord told Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hands, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. And then there's this great passage in Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, where he just reinforces who he is. He's like, Abraham, oh sorry, Moses, don't forget, I've been speaking since the time of Abraham. Let me just remind you of who I am. Verse 6, therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your, your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. Five times God says, I will do this. Several times he says, I am who I said I am. Sometimes I think when we're going through difficult times, we need to go to the scripture to be reminded of all of the promises, all of the great promises God has given us. He tells Moses and Aaron, go back to Pharaoh. So what do we learn from Moses about how to respond in our lives when things go from bad to worse? How do we handle that when we, like Moses, are in a situation where things seem bad and then they get worse? As I was reading this passage to speak on this subject this week, this one line jumped out for me of that verse. And I think this is what God wants to say to us this morning. In that verse, God says, now you will see what I will do. Now you will see what I will do. I think sometimes when we go through difficult times in our lives, it gives us the opportunity to see something of God's that we could never have seen in another situation. Now you will see what I will do. We get to see God in a new way. 
He was saying, as bad as it is, you're going to now get to see what I'm capable of doing. But you needed to get to this place where it looked bleak so that you could fully appreciate and understand what I'm about to do. I love baptism stories. I love hearing about people who have made the decision to get baptized. We heard some great stories in the video this morning, but there was actually one story that we didn't get to hear. We made the video in preparation for this morning, but we actually took this lady's story out to show separately at this point in the message. Because this lady is just a wonderful, wonderful lady. She's been a part of Connect for a long time now, but over the last year or so, has been going through just a really difficult health battle in her life. A cancer diagnosis, other difficult diagnoses over the years since, over the years since then. We've prayed with her as a church family, but I am constantly, I, I got to pray with her recently. And I remember going to meet with her, to pray with her in the hopes of hoping to lift her spirits. And when I left, my spirits were lifted because of her faith and her love for Jesus in the midst of a time where things are bad and sometimes going even worse. And I want you to hear her story separate from all the others. So check out this short clip from Pam. Oh. Um, this last year um, has completely changed my life. I was diagnosed with cancer and um, I have just been on a beautiful spiritual journey um, since then, uh, thanks to my son Kyle who has sat with me and the very first time I was in the hospital and, you know, I was, you know, sad and, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, my grandbabies and, you know, my kids and all these things I'm going to miss out on, you know, and he's like, mom, he's like, God is the only one that knows when our last day is. And he's like, so, you know, be happy today and be thankful today and be present every day. And that has just been so important to just um yeah just be thankful and grateful and there's so many people that are in other situations worse than mine you never think that you want to get cancer and you you know you want to be a this is your story or part of your story but man i have been blessed so much so i can't say that I regret it because I wouldn't be, you know, my relationship with Jesus would not be where it is today. Yeah, you have things that happen and I have, you know, a recent progression with my cancer and so, you know, it was kind of a something I wasn't expecting. Um, and then I opened my devotion the other day and it said, you experience God on the mountain, but you get to know him in the valley. That's it, like that's sums it up right there. So it's just been, I just wanna help other people like, even when it seems the bleakest of the bleak, you know, the bottom of the valley, it's not, you know? And I just, I feel such peace and such love and just being able to share that with other people and, and that 
This does not define who I am. A cancer diagnosis is not who I am. I am his child, and that's what defines me. Such, such powerful words from Pam. I got to stand there this morning and watch Kyle baptize her. It was just a beautiful, beautiful experience. And as I was preparing this message, and you know, I've been chatting with Pam, we've been praying with Pam, and I was thinking about that idea of God saying to Moses, um, now you will see what I can do. I don't think God causes these bad things to happen, but I think in the midst of them, if we'll turn to him, if we'll choose not to allow our situation to define us, but instead our relationship with God to define us, to de sometimes in the midst of the hardest times, we get to see something of God that we wouldn't have seen. And, and I've had this conversation with Pam. She said, in the last year, my faith with God has grown so much. I see an element of God that I've never, ever seen had I not gone on this particular journey. You know, whatever you're going through in your life this morning, if things are bad, if things seem to have gone from bad to worse, God is still with you. God wants to show up in a new way in your life. We just have to choose to trust him, to believe that the God called us, who called us in the burning bush, is still the God who's right with us when Pharaoh says no, when the door closes, when the diagnosis isn't what we were hoping to hear, that God is still with us. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, for these people who were baptized this morning, the demonstration, the outward uh, demonstration of that inward life change of you bringing death to life. God, as we look to the life of Moses, it's been amazing to see the roller coaster of a ride that he's been on. And it will be easy putting ourselves in Moses' shoes this morning to, to imagine what it must have felt like to be so sure that he was in your will going the way he wants to, you, um, you wanted him to go. And then questioning, God, where are you? Why didn't this go the way I thought it should? And instead of God chastising Moses for asking questions, he says, through this, you will see something that you never would have seen had this not happened. Lord, I pray for everyone here this morning in our situations, whether we're in bad or even worse situations, that we would take our eye off the circumstance and look for you. And maybe we'll see something new in you, Lord, in the midst of our difficult times. Like Pam said, it's great to experience you on the mountaintop, but man, it's in the valley where the growth happens. God, we don't wanna go through bad or worse situations, but I pray that when we do find ourselves in those situations, that we will allow them to be times for us to grow, grow closer to you, grow more in our understanding of you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.